Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Pulled from the hottest topics coming across our news desk, I'm Alcina Lloyd, and this is Housing Wire Daily. Today we have something very special for you. I'm excited to announce our latest mini-series called The Rundown, which will be hosted by Housing Wire's editor-in-chief Sarah Wheeler and lead analyst Logan Motoshami. Each Monday, Sarah and Logan will provide insight on changes in the real estate market and how they impact housing on a macro level. In our first episode, Logan discusses his latest HW Plus article that examines the National Association of Realtors' existing home sales report that indicates sales grew 0.8% in October. According to Logan, this growth is above his trend sales peak of 6.2 million, meaning this year has been great for housing demand. Additionally, Logan examines inflation and housing inventory and shares his predictions on how mortgage rates will behave in 2022. But before you listen, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Want to give your customers the streamlined mortgage experience they expect? Fannie Mae's digital mortgage solutions are fast, efficient, contactless, and they save paper. Our digital mortgage solutions provide efficiency for you convenience for your customers, and deliver a great experience at every stage of the mortgage cycle. Own the mortgage experience with Fannie Mae's innovative solutions. Visit FannieMae.com slash go digital. Logan, welcome to this podcast. We're so excited. Hi, it's excellent to be here and I'm glad we'll be doing this for the public uh, every week now. Yeah, no, we've had lots of uh, comments about it. People are very excited about it. So I think the thing is, you know, um, lots of things are changing on a macroeconomic level. People want to know what does that mean related to housing? And you are the guy. So you're our lead analyst here at HousingWire, and you've uh, been providing great advice to uh, people in the real estate mortgage field. So we're, we're excited to continue that. Um, today, I really wanted to talk about the existing home sales data we got this morning from NAR. Um, in which you wrote uh, your most recent article, which is live on our site. So let's dive into that existing home sales data. It looks like a beat at 6.3 million. And, you know, that's above the level that you often talk about. So so what does this data mean to you? Well, one of the things that had to happen uh, uh, for me last year is to tell people that housing data was going to moderate just because we had a surge in sales data in the second half of 2020, which is not normal. So we couldn't sustain those levels. So expect moderation. But what typically happens is when people see home sales trends fall, they go straight to the crash mode. And uh, I don't think a lot of people have a lot of training on doing adjustments uh, that's caused by a global pandemic. So I've talked about sales ranges between 5.84 million to 6.2 million for this year. If we could just stay in those levels, actually, that would be really good. I think we got up to almost like 6.7 million at one point uh, last year. That That's not a true uh, sales trend range. So home sales started to fall. And then what happened is everybody said, oh, housing's crashing, home sales are getting weaker. And there was actually no front-loaded data to actually show that to be the case. It was just the moderation that would typically happen off of a surge in data And what happened is existing home sales only got below 5.84 million one time. I had had anticipated that to happen a few times, and then it just 
found a base and it moved up higher. And we see this with all housing data. We see this in the uh, purchase application data, which has been getting better for the last 11 weeks and nobody cared to notice. Uh, how, uh, home builders' confidence, they found a base and they just worked off from it. So anything above 6.2 million is a beat in my mind. And after that moderation, we've now had back-to-back prints over that level, which means existing home sales is outperforming uh, currently. Uh, and that's primarily driven by mortgage buyers. Well, that's my next question, because anytime we have a, a sales beat, then, you know, there are people who are like, the only reason there's this much demand or the people who are buying are investors. And you, you tackle that directly in the article today and others. So, so tell me why that's not true. This is a fraudulent grifting tactic that's been here for many years. You know, the the fact that nobody wants to blame mortgage buying millennials for home prices getting at all time highs, even though they're the biggest percentage of buyers in America, shows there's a tendency bias for bearish Americans not to believe that Americans are just buying homes to live in. I mean, that that is the consequences of being an American bear. This can't happen. You can't possibly like the fact that Americans are buying homes uh, with mortgages. So you revert back to the, it has to be investors or it has to be Wall Street. It has to be the rich. No, primary uh, mortgage, mortgage, housing demand does not have a Wall Street moat around it. So if rates rise and mortgage buyers fade, so will home sales. So there's no protective code. We just have a little bit more investors than we did last year. And that is not the biggest driver of housing demand. And if anybody had noticed the purchase application data getting better the last 11 weeks, this isn't a surprise because purchase application data looks out forward 30 to 90 days. And this is one of the reasons last summer when we wrote about, hey, existing home sales is going to be positive this year. People thought that was crazy. Guess what happened? Existing home sales ended up positive last year and the forward-looking data firmed up. That's it. Americans are buying homes to live in. Don't make it any more complicated than that. What about inventory? Are you surprised that we could have this many existing home sales when when we've seen such a crunch in inventory? Yes. Well, this has been my main thing for the past eight years. A lot of people have said that, well, if we just had more inventory, home sales would rise. Well, we didn't have the kind of demographic patch from 2008 to 2019. So whenever there was a home sales miss, people said, oh, there's no inventory to buy homes. I guess what? 2020 and 2021 home sales are pre-cycle highs driven by mortgage buyers and inventory got to all-time lows. This is not like the car sales market where you just have literally no cars and lots to buy. This, we always had homes to buy when demand picked up. Okay, so when you take when you say there's no inventory and sales are rising, people go, wait a second, we were told there's no inventory, there's inventory to buy. It's do you have to worry about home price growth accelerating, you know, when inventory gets to a certain level? And that's always the big fear about years 2020 to 2024. If demand picks up, inventory levels could crunch down and we see what's happening. But hopefully the rate of growth of home prices have peaked, it'll start to fall, and we get what we want is a B and B market, boring and balanced. Boring and balanced. Well, you know, one of the the it word of the day, the week, the month is inflation. Inflation. We're seeing inflation. You know, people are seeing inflation, gas prices and food prices and all that stuff. Give us your take on inflation related to housing. Well, as always, demographics equal demand. Um, and it's not just uh, uh, home prices rising uh, beyond trend. Uh, rent inflation is taking off. And I think one of the things that I saw last year that was not a very sophisticated take is that people said cities were dying. Everyone is leaving the cities and going to the suburbs. Rent inflation was declining. I said, no, no, no. It doesn't work that way. We have the biggest housing demographic patch ever. And not everyone is going to be able to buy a home, which means 
rents are going to pick up. And guess what happens now? Rent inflation is taking off. Home prices are taking off. Mother demographics, she is a powerful beast. You do not want to mess with her. And uh, the demand in rent is, is particularly important to CPI because shelter inflation is almost about 43% of the component of CPI, which is a core inflation data, not a headline. So that, that will drive inflation and it'll be more sticky. Uh, but also that rate of growth uh, should be slowing down. Uh, I mean, we can make a case that 2021 rate of growth in pricing and rate of growth of rental in, in inflation could peak and things will moderate. Moderation is what we want to see, right? We just have a surge of demographic demand, but you know, housing has limits, right? Even rent inflation has limits. You know, nobody wants to push that lever too much because if you, nobody wants to pay the rent, you're not going to get your money. So there are limits to this uh, inflation story. And uh, uh, but it is showing its face in definitely in uh, 2021. Well, so inflation naturally leads us to the next question, which is what is the Fed going to do? And let's talk about Fed actions and the Fed raising rates. Well, this is a very, very exciting time for me, because uh, one of the things I've always talked about in the previous uh, expansion is that typically what happens before the Fed raises rates is the two year yield. Okay, it'll get above 0.56. I know I always talk about the 10 year yield, but we're starting to get into a little bit more of a mature phase of this economic expansion, not the early parts that I've always discussed about. And the two year yield is above 0.56%, right? If it stays above there, literally, it is a legit uh, uh, a level to talk about the first Fed rate hike. But what also happens is that the dollar makes its biggest percentage run higher. Uh, before the first Fed rate hike. So that could you know, pose a uh, problem for world growth and commodity prices. But uh, it is very exciting times that we're getting to this phase of the uh, economic expansion. And 2022 is going to be so much more fun than 2021. Uh, so literally, if the two-year yield is above 0.56%, any first Fed rate hike is warranted. If it's below that, just don't worry about it. So we've just surpassed that today by a little bit. So it's 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 we're finally getting there. That we could just discuss about that uh, maybe next year or in 2023. Definitely the first Fed rate hike is in play. You know, uh, mortgage rates is always very interesting to our audience. So um, talk a little bit about why you think you see less of that mortgage rate rise uh, in the in the near term. So everyone talks about rates rising because of inflation and growth. Well, guess what? We've had the best economic growth in many decades. We've had the hottest inflation data in many uh, decades. And pretty much the bond market really hasn't done much, right? We've had that first initial move in the 10-year yield. And that range that we talked about, April 7th of 2020, when things are fine, the United States of America, 1.33 to 1.60. I think right now we're at 1.60. So even with the hottest inflation data, the hottest economic growth, that bond market channel, that long-term downtrend has worked and every forecast of higher rates, as long as they don't, if they don't talk about ranges on the bond market, that's why I've always emphasized bond market ranges are more efficient than just nominally targeting a mortgage rate price or mortgage rate level. So if that range sticks, that's why it's really hard to get 3.75% or higher, right? That 10-year yield needs to get above 1.94%. Didn't happen, was the forecast for 2021. Uh, uh, housing will slow if that is the case, but not the story. So everyone is forecasting higher mortgage rates. And I'm saying if that range sticks, guess what? We could see a two-handle again and possibly the lowest mortgage rates ever next year, right? And I'll explain more of that in the 2022 forecast, but that is in play. So, you know, we've had two, three, four decades of just really unrealistic mortgage rate forecasting because they 
believe in targeting a nominal rate rather than a bond level uh, channel within each new expansion. And I think that's the difference between my work. And I think people have known me for many years. It was really hard for me convincing people in 2018 that rates and bond yields were going to go down. And this will be somewhat to to, uh, the same type of uh, uh, debate going into 2022. No, it is a fascinating time. And that's why I'm, I'm really glad we're going to be having this weekly because things are changing fast. And, you know, but you just went on record saying that you do not think that that mortgage rates are are headed higher uh, or as high as other people are, are saying or at the same rate. So I, I'm excited for that. You know, you made a huge call. With the America's back model um, on Housing Wire in March 2022, um, 2020, excuse me, right in the middle of the pandemic. Um, this is another pretty bold call. Yes, and, and and basically it's the same thing I've always done. I like to I like to focus on bond yield ranges, and if we need to, if I need to make an adjustment uh, to to something, I always do. But the previous expansion when I did it in twenty fifteen, so one point six three percent, that held. You know, a few times I got under, a few times I got over. We we work off rate uh, rate rate ranges. But let me tell you something: we haven't had a stock market correction. We haven't had any volatility. We haven't had no stress in the financial stress market. The St. Louis Financial Stress uh, Index, which is one of the staples of the America's recovery model has been sleeping the entire year uh that won't last and typically when that happens the long end will, will fall if it's you know, it see stress so this kind of three high threes you know two handles are definitely in play next year uh um but you know the st louis financial stress has been calm corporate profits have been good everything's been nice that typically doesn't last forever and we're getting into a little bit of a more mature stage of the economy and even with all that growth and all that inflation the 10-year yield never came close to testing 1.94 percent wow so so much information there logan thank you so much for more information people can look online at housingwire.com where your latest story on existing home sales is there but all sorts of things about inventory the fed rates and and we'll just keep talking about it so thank you so much for joining us Definitely. And we'll be here every week, right? You know, because economics, you know, we've got to take it one week, one day at a time and believe in people that believe in economic models. Uh, and if the economics is done right, it should be terribly boring. Thank you so much, Logan. Talk to you next week. You too. Now more than ever, the housing industry is looking to its leaders for answers. That's why each week, the Housing News Podcast invites a new mortgage, fintech, or real estate executive to the show to provide its listeners with more perspective on the announcements and news stories crossing Housing Wire's news desk. Hosted by Sarah Wheeler and produced by Elsina Lloyd, the Housing News Podcast is now available on iTunes, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. I hope you have a great afternoon. If you haven't already, make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on all the hottest stories crossing our news desk daily. The podcast is now available wherever you like to listen. Make sure to tune in tomorrow.